The Victory Formation Podcast is brought to you by Pilgrim Roasters. Pilgrim Roasters is a roastery and coffee shop located at 4120 Main Street in Maniunk, Philadelphia. Pilgrim Roasters specializes in unique coffees from all over the world, brought specially to you in-store and online at www.pilgrimroasters.com. Take 10% off your first order with Pilgrim Roasters when typing in promo code GOODSOUP10 at checkout and figure out what all the buzz is about. You know something? No soup for you! Come back one year! We both have so much in common. We both love soup. Soup's not a meal! You were supposed to buy me a meal! I'm not stopping you from eating! Go ahead and eat, get anything you want! That's a lot of soup. That's a lot of soup. It looks delicious. What is up, everybody? It is Tuesday, March 29th, and the final four is set. We have Duke versus Carolina and Villanova versus Kansas. Finney, your thoughts on the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight? I mean... The Sweet 16 was, I think it, it hit my expectations. It was very good. The Elite Eight, there were a few games that just were so lopsided. It wasn't even fun to watch. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think this happens every year where I get less and less excited as the tournament goes on. I'm still loving it. I'm still enjoying it. But like the first two sets of games over the first weekend is the best part. And then the Sweet 16 is fun like we saw st peter's win we'll get into it and some other crazy stuff and then the elite eight you know it's only four games so you're like okay i mean if two of these games are lopsided blowouts then the whole thing's gonna kind of be a wash and it's kind of what we got but i'm excited for the final four at villanova kansas really interesting style matchup and then duke north carolina coach k's final season what else can you ask for (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's, it's so storybook ending. It's like, who's paying the refs? And are these writers just telling you how the games are going to go? Like, I know it's not rigged because you still have to make the baskets. But like, if there was ever a time where it was like, we need, we need Coach K to be in the final four. This was it. Yeah. And you know what? Like, credit to Duke. They've played really well. Um, I didn't see it coming. They looked bad at the end of the season to me. But they've strapped down. Paulo Bencaro's looked great. We'll get into all of that. I do want to start with St. Peter's and their incredible run. They're the first 15 seed to ever make the Elite Eight. It was an insane atmosphere at Wells Fargo Center. It was loud. Everyone was a St. Peter's fan besides the one Purdue section. They clamped down on Purdue. And every time Purdue came back and made a run, St. Peter's had an answer. I I was amazed watching it. I I mean, they just didn't give up. They were scrappy. Yes, they lost in the Elite Eight to Carolina. They got beat pretty bad. I think the magic kind of ran out. But kudos to St. Peter's. Because for a 15 seed to make the Elite Eight, when we were counting them out every single game, even after they beat Kentucky, absolutely amazing. Um, Incredible story. That coach is going to get a fat bag from some school now. And it's great for St. Peter's as a school. I mean, their basketball budget's around a million dollars a year. They are probably going to get at least, you know, 15 to $20 million in TV exposure from this for the school to improve facilities and recruiting and, you know, different stuff like that. So good for them. It was super fun to watch them play. And I don't know the next time we're going to see a run like this. 
yeah, and they they busted my bracket. They busted so, everyone's bracket. Yeah, yeah. It was. Yeah, I think actually they busted both of our brackets. Single-handedly, like, they beat both of our champions. You got yeah, a lot it, more run out of yours than I did, but still. That's it, it, It's incredible. And, and I think I said on the last podcast, too, I was like, you know, I have Purdue winning it all. And, like, if Purdue made it to the championship and won, I would probably win the Good Soup Tournament Challenge. But, like, I wasn't going to be pissed if, they, if, if St. Peter's won because it's that much of a novelty where I'd rather see a 15 seed make it to the – make it to the elite eight then for me to what like win my bracket because i picked the right champion like it, it was awesome it, it was honestly awesome to see what they did yeah i'm gonna be honest with you i'm kind of glad you didn't win because we're giving merch out and uh you're gonna get it regardless so like <laughs> it, it, it also look it looks like i was looking at the the um the rankings right now i think derm's in first yes there's there's another guy henry who has kansas and yeah. then james our nba correspondent has yes. Duke. yeah so. and uh chevello kind of has a chance but not really because his champion's out but uh if anyone out there henry if you're listening to this i am not sure who you are if you do win i will post on the instagram to make sure you contact us but if you want to be proactive and reach out just so i know your info I'm all for that. Just, just so I know, cause I'm going to give whoever wins options on, you know, what to get on, on the, the merch and stuff like that. I have some designs, but yeah, it's going to come I, down I, to the final weekend, which is kind of exciting. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong. I love Henry cause he's a trusted listener and he's in, he's in the tournament challenge, but I'm pulling for Villanova, but heck we'll see what happens, man. It, it's going to be exciting. I'm now I'm watching not just like for my own picks and my own enjoyment, but to see who wins the bracket challenge. It's so fun. I know. And uh, shout out Henry, because he did pretty darn well. And if Kansas wins, he's going to win the bracket challenge. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for entering. I am not pulling for Nova at all. I actively rooted against Nova out to dinner on, uh, what was that, Saturday night in front of Nova people, which was interesting. Uh, I hate them. I hate their run. Just a little recap on my Friday. I get a text in the group chat from our buddy, Matt Madden. Shout out one of one of the best men alive. Uh, King, if I may say so. He texts me like, hey, there's a segment on 97.5 The Fanatic about, you know, people not rooting for Nova and they should. So I'm like, whatever. Everyone wants me to call in. I'll call in. So I call into the station. I thought I made some valid points, got constantly interrupted and then hung up on. It was, uh, it was an all-time L. It, it was essentially the equivalent of the Coach K collapsing on the floor meme. I waited for like 45 minutes in my car to get online only to get uh, kind of alphaed by Tyrone from the Mike Missinelli show. So that sucked. But uh, hate Nova, hate that they're in the Final Four, really bothers me. But, you know, I, I have to live with it. It's, it's the reality of the situation is Villanova is a superior basketball school than Temple, and it's not even close. And I have to live with that every day of my life. And if they win again, they're going to throw another goddamn parade in our city. Yeah, that, that, that was definitely tough, Eric. I, I listened. And when your only comeback to that, that their superior basketball team is, their fans are condescending. It's tough no, to win that, that argument. Man. That wasn't the point. My point is they shit on Philadelphia and they shit on North Philadelphia specifically. Like they'll come to all of our parties because their school sucks. And then they'll be like, oh, this place is a dump. Philly's a dump and then they'll throw a parade in our city. It doesn't make any sense. Like chanting safety school at the games, 
chanting, you know, <laughs> stuff about gunshots at Temple and murders. Screw you guys, man. You don't even go to school in the city. Like, have fun 45 minutes away in the suburbs. That was my point. And also, like, I resent them because they win every year and they kick our ass. And that's a reason to resent a school. Like, they beat us every year. I want our team to be good. And not only are they assholes about it, then they have the ammo to just troll us because they're better than us. It's all a reason. It's called a rivalry for a reason, man. Oh, yeah. Who was... Who was the radio host, Tyrone? Who was he pulling for? Was he like Villanova is a good school in Philly? Like, I don't hate them. Or no, what his whole point was like, you don't have a right to hate Villanova because they're, you know, a local school. If you went to Temple, you should root for them. But he didn't go to Nova and he didn't go to Temple. and He doesn't know what he's talking about because he completely disregarded the entire segment that was the Nova fans are disrespectful to Temple, which they are. They're snobby. Not every Nova fan is snobby, by the way. I have friends that went to Nova, and I like a lot of the people that do go to Nova, but there is a select daddy's money trust fund group that is very snobby about it, and they make it a big rivalry for both schools because you know Temple, and you know the type of person that goes to Temple. You went there, I went there. You don't just come into North Philadelphia and start shitting on it, man. I'm sorry, and then still go to the party. It doesn't work like that. Yeah, understandable, but... We'll see. We'll see how they do in the uh, in the final four on Saturday. But yeah, all the hate aside, they're yeah, a yeah. fantastic team. They're a fantastic team. And Jay oh, Wright's yeah. an outstanding, maybe the best coach going in college basketball. I don't want that it, to get confused. It, isn't that what I said too early? Like before the tournament happened, I said, this could come down to coaching. Yes, and Jay Wright, did. man, that's, that's just what he does. He's, he's phenomenal. I mean, you freaking nailed it, Finn. We got Jay Wright, Coach K, and Bill Self all in the final four, three of the best coaches in the history of college basketball. And then Hubert Davis. And we'll I, actually, that's a great transition. North Carolina versus UCLA in the sweet 16. I've never seen a worst coach game than North Carolina had in that game. They shot 10 of 31 from three. They refused to drive to the basket. They were just shocking up shots from 10 feet behind the uh, three point line contested. And they were missing everything. And then in the last two minutes, uh, Love, their number two, their point guard or shooting guard, he makes two threes and they win the game. And like the whole game, I'm saying they can't win. They're playing terrible basketball and they were. And they still won the game, which was wild to me. It was wild. UCLA couldn't make anything, whatever. But it was one of the worst coach games I've ever watched. It was abrasive style of play. Now, they didn't do that against St. Peter's. They did go to the hoop. They did get some post-ups inside. but. They were just not going inside. They were just chucking threes, and it managed to work. It was crazy. Yeah, when when it comes – yeah, like, especially UCLA, it was tough for them too because it's like you're leading and it looks like you're going to win 90% of the game, and then one guy gets hot at the end and it's over. It's like, oh, that's so tough, man. Yeah. I mean, I'm all for taking threes. 31 threes itself is not a bad strategy, especially against UCLA, a team that can't shoot them. But North Carolina wasn't even driving and kicking. They were just swinging the ball around for 20 seconds and chucking up a contested three. And for 97% of the game, they were all bricking. And this kid, Love, just starts number two, just starts making everything in the last minute, and they win the game. Game. It's like, damn, that's basketball, though. It you is. Know, that's how it is. It felt like an AAU game watching it. Like, it was not a very well-played game. Uh, UCLA had a really good system, and they just started missing shots at the end. 
But UNC, it just felt like an AAU team. They were running like high pick and roll and UCLA was switching everything. And UNC wasn't getting action off that high pick and roll, but they just kept running it. Like Hubert Davis was like, well, I don't know what else to call here. And they still won. It was wild. Yeah. I don't want to get too meta right now, but that, that, that is how basketball is moving. It's moving towards an AAU style because all these guys play together. They play on the same team. They play against each other for all their years in high school. Um, I, I like the traditional like big man post up motion offense, you know, went to a Catholic school. So that's all I know. But um, yeah, it, it, it's interesting, man. I, I, I don't know. It's going to be play wise. Yeah. It's going to be a really interesting matchup with Duke because Duke in the regular season was running a lot of like ISO ball in the last two minutes and NBA style. And in the tournament, they've been running more of a system. They are letting Paolo get going and and he's incredible. And and Roach has been hitting a lot of big shots. Mm -hmm. Yep. They're going to run an offense and North Carolina doesn't run an offense. They just take shots. So I'm interested to see how that works out. We've seen them play twice, you know, one and one split. I'm not going to make a prediction yet. We'll save that for uh, the betting corner uh, on Thursday. But, you know, I, I'm interested to see how that plays out. And then on the other side, Kansas looks like they're clicking at the right time, man. That Providence yeah. game, they took every punch Providence threw at them and countered. And Nova is playing the best basketball they've played all year right now. I mean, they didn't let Houston get close in that game, really, and just run their offense. And their offensive system is fantastic. Yeah, it's um, like Gillespie. It's just like everything runs. He's the epitome of a leader on the court. He's a guy where you just get him the ball and you have to trust him. As a player, it's like that's a guy that I would want to play with on the court because he's just so reliable. Oh, yeah. And, and it's yeah, he's smart too. like he'll go into the paint and post up have the defense collapse and then kick to someone else for an open three. Cause he knows he's going to draw the attention. He does all the little things. He gets steals. He plays defense hard. He's cerebral. He's smart. He gets his teammates involved and gets them going. He's a classic Nova point guard. He's a really good player and he's really good for Jay Wright's system. Um, one thing I did want to mention real quick, and we kind of brushed over Duke and Arkansas wasn't much of a game. Duke controlled it. Want to mention Gonzaga and Arizona. They were my pick for the final game. They both lost in the Sweet 16. And I think they lost from one thing I said at the beginning of the tournament that I didn't end up listening to is pace of play matters. Gonzaga was ranked second in average possession length, meaning the fastest possession length at 14.6. And Arizona was ranked fourth at 15.1. They played Houston. Arizona did, that is, who was ranked 322nd at average possession length, one of the slowest teams in the country. And Arkansas, not super slow, but they're ranked 65th. These teams slowed down the pace. Arkansas slowed down the pace on Gonzaga, and Houston really slowed down the pace on Arizona, and it worked. They couldn't get out and run in transition and get open threes and get open drives. Gonzaga, I think that that game against um, Arkansas was really poorly officiated. Arkansas committed a bunch of fouls and weren't called for it, especially one alarming one on a screen where the uh, JD Note fought through the screen and tripped Gonzaga's point guard and he fell and they didn't call anything at all, which is just wild. And it was at a crucial point in the game. I thought it was one of the most poorly officiated games I've ever seen. Like Chet Holmgren got called for a couple fouls that just weren't fouls. But that aside, 
Arkansas controlled the game by being physical and slowing it down. And Houston slowed it down on Arizona and just dominated the pace and dominated the flow. And we said at the or I said at the beginning of the tournament, slower teams tend to do better. Nova's a really slow team. Kansas is moderately paced. Duke, pretty slow team. Carolina, moderately paced as well. But in the Sweet 16, teams that slowed the pace down generally won. I mean, St. Peter's did it against Purdue, and it really worked. So I, I thought it was really interesting, especially with Gonzaga and Arizona losing. <clears throat> yeah, when you go up against a prolific offensive team, you have to slow it down because for an, an offensive team like that, the more shots they get, especially with, um, you know, three, whether it's three-point percentage or just overall percentage of shot made, shots made, if you slow it down, it just limits their overall possessions. Exactly. Which then, you know, it doesn't give them that, that margin of error where the more shots they take, the more that'll go in. You just limit it. And if they only shoot 35 or 30%, you have just that much better of a chance of winning the game. So it completely makes sense. And I really want to acknowledge Houston. I mean, they were playing with out two of their best players the whole tournament and just went on an unbelievable run. Their defense was smothering. They played with heart. They played with energy. And in that Arizona game, they dominated the pace. They forced Arizona into bad shots. They got a ton of rebounds and got physical with them. And Arizona, as I said at the beginning, if anyone's going to beat them, they're going to get physical with them. Well, Houston did just like TCU did the round before. And I should have seen it coming and I didn't, but I mean, Houston, all the credit to them. They, they ended up losing to Villanova, but they fought till the end in that game. And uh, they had an incredible run to the Elite Eight. And they made the Final Four last year. And if you're Houston as a program and Kelvin Sampson as a coach, Final Four, Elite Eight, back-to-back years, you're on the map as a, a top-tier school if they weren't already. I've never seen a group of guys buy in as much as those Houston players did. Like, when you see guys play defense the way they do, that's how you know they're all bought in. They're all on the same page. The amount of times I've just defensively, they just steal the ball. They swipe the ball out of people's hands, like picking off passes. It's just beautiful basketball to watch defensively. If you're a defensive guy, oh my gosh, it was almost orgasmic. Yeah, it was, it was incredible basketball and they play such good off ball switch defense on those screens that Arizona was setting. It, it was great. And you know what? They still played great against Villanova, even though they lost. Their shots just weren't falling. But kudos to Houston for sure. Uh, transition into my horrible gambling tournament. We'll get into it in more detail in Finney's betting corner recap later. I'm, I'm dying over here, man. I'm dying. Like, I'm in last place in the bracket challenge. And with how much work I put into it, it is crushing my soul. It's making me just like, Never want to gamble again. I, I'm down so bad right now. Uh, it's almost atrocious. It actually, you know what? It's not almost. It is atrocious. So <laughs> I know it's way too early to think about next year, but is there like, are you learning anything through this? Like, what are you going to do different? Just don't try and just like blind bet everything next time or what? No, I'm going to do the same fucking thing and hope it works. Like, because I'm a hard headed man. Like, I. I don't know how to attack a problem if not like statistically and analytically. I, I can't just randomly pick by gut. It's just not going to work for me. And I don't know. I Listen, I might retire. I, I might like retire from gambling after this until um, baseball season starts next week. So I, I don't know. I, I'm down so bad, man. I, I cry myself to sleep every night. 
I mean, at least you won a few, right? <laughs> Speaking of winning a few, this is a sick brag. On the way into the game, my dad told me he liked St. Peter's a lot. And I put a little bit of juice down on the St. Peter's money line because he talked it up so much. And uh, they won. And, and that, was, that was the win for me this weekend. That covered everything. Um, and it felt really, really good to finally win something. And, you know, I, I don't want to spoil Finney's betting corner. I, I, I did have a couple wins, but, like, that St. Peter's move, and shout out to my dad because he's the one who called it. He's like, I could feel it in the vibe and the energy. And I was like, well, I can't not do it now. Like, you just told me there was a vibe. I, I can't discredit a vibe. If you feel the vibe, let's roll. And uh, that was a plus for me. But other than that, it's, it's been down bad all tournament. So what you're telling me is we need a group chat, me, you, your dad. He's the source. Mr. Campbell, what are you feeling tonight, man? What are the vibes telling you? I need it. I need it. Yeah, man. I mean, it, we sat right next to the Purdue section, and uh, they were not happy. Let's just put it that way. They were not happy with all the people cheering for St. Peter's. It felt like a, a Sixers game in there. It was wild. Yeah. It's all right. Uh, I mean, on my side, though, I, I guess you could say I mean, had, a, had a good hunch on Houston. Just I don't know how you dick ride the Americans so hard for Temple and then just you were so blinded by UAB in the first round against Houston. You were like, nah, Houston's not going to make it. Nah, Jelly, this guy from UAB is just going to take down Houston. Like, I, I don't know, man. I mean, just defense. We, we just went through it, but like defensively how those players buy in i mean houston's been a good team since we were in college man like they've been good for a while now it's scary yeah it's called being uh being an idiot finney Uh, and that's what i am (laughs) i'm an idiot i'm a jester i have the uh, dunce cap on in the corner i I want everyone instead of throwing a rose on my grave after this tournament just take a piss on it just line up come up to my grave bury me in cement and take a piss on me I mean, bro, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and act like I'm any better, dude. We're like both in the bottom third of the bracket challenge. So you're better than me. Everyone's better than me. I'm in last place. I'm a, I'm a loser. That's what I am. All right, relax, bro. You at least went to the Sweet 16. Tell us how that went. Tell you us know, about that highlight. We'll transition right into that. I did go to the Sweet 16. Um, it was incredible how the crowd got behind St. Peter's. We were sitting right next to the Purdue section and they were the only people in the arena, not behind St. Peter's. It was absolutely electric dude. As the game was getting deeper and St. Peter's was maintaining the lead. You could feel the energy, the electricity in the air. People were going nuts. It was absolutely fantastic. It felt like a pro Sixers environment even louder at times when Doug Eddard went to the free throw line at the end and hit the free throw to put him up three, everyone lost their minds. It was crazy. Um, there were also UNC fans everywhere. Like it was a, a, a total UNC crowd. So they got behind St. Peter's. And then in the second game, you know, UCLA had their section and they were pretty loud, but <clears throat> it was big time UNC all the way in that arena. Um, and the crowd was huge for North Carolina down the stretch. Honestly, they, they were really pulling for them. Uh, love got into it was like really hyping the crowd. I will say observation. I made UCLA's mascot elite, like UNC mascots got big muscles. He's up there like fist bumping, pumping up the crowd. 
The UCLA mascot was just like swaying his arms back and forth and waving at everyone and just vibes. He was straight up like he just ripped three dubs in the tunnel, like straight vibes. UNC mascots on one knee with the cheerleaders pumping up the crowd. UCLA mascot at one point laid flat on the ground, like just laid down. I don't know if he took a nap. I couldn't see his eyes, but he was he looked like he was taking a fucking nap in the middle of the game. It was iconic. Um, UCLA had the cheerleading advantage by far, not shocker. They're from LA. Um, it, it was really fun, man. I had a really, really good time. The atmosphere was great. We sat near some really cool people. Um, it was a great time. One thing that I didn't like. So for the Sixers games, you can only get pretzel nuggets in the stadium. I'm a soft pretzel guy. I don't know how you feel about this. Uh, I'm, I'm soft pretzel over nuggets for this tournament, they had soft pretzels. They didn't have the nuggets. So Wells Fargo Center, can you can you bring the soft pretzels back for the Sixers games, please? It's not a big ask. I mean, the only thing with me and soft pretzels is there must be cinnamon on them. Oh, you're I'm cinnamon fraud. guy. Yeah, I'm a big, big cinnamon pretzel guy. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I'm not in the management of the Wells Fargo Center. It's like, did the NCAA not have the budget to get pretzel nuggets? No, uh, no, no. So, know. like, did the NCAA have a better budget? Because the soft pretzels, I don't know if anyone's going to argue the nuggets are superior than the, the whole pretzel. That's an embrace debate, man. I would probably lean nuggets over soft pretzel, but... Really? Um, I had four soft pretzels at this game between, <laughs> between the two games, by the way, because again, I don't know the next time I'm going to find a soft pretzel at the Wells Fargo center. Um, were they good at least? Like- oh, they were so good, dude. Little, little mustard on those. I went straight mustard on two spicy mustard on another two. And it was incredible. I also had a hot dog. Um, they had all the fixings. It, it, it was fantastic, dude. It was fantastic. One complaint. It wasn't the best hot dog I had all weekend. Like I went to Costco yesterday and like their hot dogs are elite. Can, can we get a long hot dog at the stadium, please? Like, why are we just doing like the dollar dog night dogs? You know, I want to, I want a big hot dog. If Costco can sell a hot dog for a dollar 50, you can sell a big hot dog for $3. I'll still buy it. You know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But it must be crazy though. Like any other time you go to Wells Fargo, you only see one game, but this was like, the the sweet 16 in philly this is this is an experience you're watching two games like what was that like it was incredible i mean there so when you go to a game at the wells fargo there's ads everywhere on the screens right like you know tame impala's coming in march and like you know budweiser ads and comcast ads they didn't have a single ad the entire wraparound was a black background with march madness on it they really utilized every inch of the big screen and laid it out perfectly all of the video boards for the food places were lit up with March Madness. It was very, very cool. They had a great graphic package. They had great signs outside. It felt like a very immersive experience. And like I said, like I know that that's a minor thing with the ads, but it always looks like super cluttered and kind of like chaos. It was very refined, very cool. The court was really nice. The logo was really nice. I got myself a t-shirt and a hat. They had some nice merch. And the fact that there were two games and it was a college atmosphere, it was very cool. Um, my dad and I had gone previously to the round of 32 and saw Florida Gulf Coast beat San Diego State to become the first 15 to go to the Sweet 16. And then on Friday, 
we saw St. Peter's beat Purdue to become the first 15 to go to the Elite Eight. Are we good luck? I don't know. And then we saw Duke beat Dougie McBuckets and Creighton that year too. And that honestly didn't even feel as refined and good as this. I mean, this was a fantastic experience. Shout out the NCAA for once in my life. They did a really good job with this, and I had a great time. That's awesome. I, it doesn't come to Philly every year. For, for no, the it East does not. It does yeah. not. I think it was here, you know, like five or six years ago, and then in 2012 previously. Um, it was a great atmosphere. I'd be shocked if they don't come back more often because, you know, the fans showed out, and it was really, really cool. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. You have to take advantage of that when it's in your city for sure. Awesome. But cool. uh, well, that's it for me on the sweet 16. I think you got something on the U S men's national team for soccer. Yeah. We're going to do a hard pivot right now to some, to some soccer. <laughs> um, we'll keep it quick. Cause I'm not sure how many of our listeners are just amped up for Qatar in, in 2022, but slave labor. Uh, baby. <laughs> you, you know, th- the men's national team didn't qualify for the world cup last time it was around. Um, you know, we're, we're not a huge soccer country, but um, I guess I still take a little bit of pride when, when we do qualify. And Christian Pulisic, he's a guy who's from, I believe, the Hershey area in Pennsylvania. So he's, he's from our neck of the woods. Um, he played on, like, the PA Classics elite team. Um, he plays over in Germany right now, and I, I believe Dortmund. Um, and he had his first hat trick over the weekend versus uh, Panama. Um, the U.S. team won 5-1. to one. We didn't completely qualify for the World Cup just yet, but we are in, I think, the top three from the CONCACAF, which is like the North American qualification region. Um, so as long as we don't like lose by like five goals against um, the next team we're playing, I think, I gotta look up who we're playing, but as long as we don't lose by a lot, essentially, we should be qualified. And you know, like I said, I don't think a ton of people are gonna watch it, but it, it, it's still cool. Like you never want to miss qualifying for a World Cup, especially you know, being the United States. But is that a dig at um, Italy, man? <laughs> I mean, that's so fucking. It, it's more shocking that they don't qualify than that we don't qualify. Like the Italy not qualifying, which I think we talked about last week. That's yeah. just. I told my mom she was so pissed, dude. Because, like, weirdly enough in our household, like, if the U.S. played Italy, we'd root for Italy 100%. I I don't deny that. Like, I I totally would. That makes makes sense to me, especially since you guys are Italian. But Yeah, but, I mean, um, we're American. You know? We're Italian-American, but I'm I'm an American, but I would root for Italy 100% over America. See, anytime the U.S. plays like those elite teams on the world stage, it's like we're obviously an underdog. Yeah. So I you, mean, you our best re- athletes don't play soccer. It's not even like I, I would argue it's competes with hockey for pool of athletes. Like it's not competing with football and basketball, I guess, probably gets more high tier athletes than baseball, but maybe not like it's tough, man. No, especially because the MLS is so crappy and on a world stage like all the other countries they they dominate soccer it's the global game for a reason like Messi left Argentina and went to Spain when he was 12 years old yeah you know what I mean like like that's just how they they literally breed those players to be the best in the world so 
you know, that's just me talking soccer. I just, it's, it's hype. We're, we're not completely qualified yet, but if we take care of business um, in our last game, it, it, it should be, um, we should be in. And, uh, you know, I'm, the games are probably going to be at three o'clock in the morning. So I don't know how much I'm actually going to watch, but. Dude, I love it's the exciting. World Cup. I, I'm not going to lie. The World Cup's awesome. I don't watch a ton of soccer. I do like, um, like Premier League. I'll turn on some Sunday mornings real early because it's a nice start to the day. But. I watch Champions League, watch the Euro. I do I do like soccer. It's an enjoyable game. It's an enjoyable, like, kind of just throw on in the background and hang out type of game. I'm not at- actively watching. But uh, World Cup's dope. You see a lot of countries that you don't normally see compete. I think it was Iceland a few years ago did well or something like that. Um, it's cool. It's, it's a really fun stage. I hope the U.S. makes it. I hope they don't get a crappy draw in a pool with, like, Germany and Spain and some bullshit. But, uh... Yeah, it would be cool to see the U.S. make a run. They're not going to win, but I, I guess anything's possible. No, I think for the U.S., for the most part, it's if you get out of group play, that's, that's a win. like the big. Yeah, that's the win. And then it's like basically single elimination games from there on. So um, you got to play well. But yeah, th- that's my segment. That's what I wanted to talk about. It happened over the weekend. Um, U.S. right on the brink of qualifying. So um, I'll keep you guys updated. Um, so we take on Ticos in, in the Costa Rican capital of San Jose on Wednesday at 9 p.m. So um, tomorrow we, we take on Ticos to qualify for the World Cup. So let's get it. I didn't even know Ticos was a country, so that's cool. That's yeah, neither, neither did I, but they're in the mix for qualifying for the World Cup. So I mean, Italy lost to North Macedonia, so let's not count our chickens before they hatch. But uh... – you know, I'm I'm into it. I'm excited. When is the World Cup? I'm assuming it's in July. Yes, it's coming up in the summer of uh, of this year. I'll, I'll have to get more info on that. We'll definitely have segments when it gets closer when we talk about it. But um, yep, it's coming up this summer. Heck yeah! Well, it's awesome. That's talking soccer. I'm excited, man. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! We can we can do another hard pivot to some NBA news. Um, should I get the timer ready, Eric? Yeah, let's fire up the segment, Finney. Put five minutes on the clock. I'm feeling a little tired, so I hope I get through all this. But uh, there's some spicy NBA stuff from the weekend. We're moving towards the playoffs. We are very close. Yes, we are. Alrighty, I got five minutes on the clock in three, two, one. Tell us what happened. All right, my worst nightmare has come true. The Celtics are the one seed in the Eastern Conference. Um, that's not by mistake either. They are 9-1 and one in their last 10. They're playing absolutely outstanding basketball. They have a 26-12 and 12 home record, but they also have a 21-16 and 16 road record. That's because defense travels. The Heat are sliding. Sixers are still only a half game back, but right now they're in fourth place, tied with the Bucks. The Heat are tied with the Celtics for the one seed. Clearly, the Celtics have the tiebreaker. The Heat have clenched their division, so they're in no matter what, but they've lost four straight. Sixers lost to the Suns the other night. I'll get into that more in a minute, but Boston looks really, really dangerous. However, they just lost Robert Williams, presumably for the entire season. Robert Williams has been really crucial what they do this season. He's only averaging 12.1 points per 36 minutes, but per 100 possessions, his defensive rating is 102, which is really good. Remember, defensive rating lower the better. His offensive rating is 148. That's the best of his career. He is shooting 73% from the field, and his free throw percentage is up to 72%. It was 61.6 last season, so he's getting better. He's a really crucial defensive piece for them. He's a really versatile center that can guard a bunch of different positions. His defensive rating is really good. He's averaging 3.7 blocks a game per 100 possessions. 
he's a really, really integral player to the way they play defense. I mean, his VORP this season's 3.3, which is absolutely nothing to scoff at, but his win shares this year for Boston is a 9.9. He has been awesome all season. They're really going to miss him. I'm interested to see how Boston adjusts, but they're in the driver's seat right now, and look out for them. The Sixers, they fell to the Suns last night. Chris Paul is back for the Suns. They're looking really, really good. They're looking like they're in control of the Western Conference. I mean, they're nine games up on Memphis, 13 up on the Warriors, 15 up on the Mavericks. They're going to be the number one seed in the West. I don't know if they've already clenched it, but they might have. Um, it's looking like they're going to make the finals in the West, uh, unless anything crazy happens. But it was a tough game last night. The refs missed a lot of calls. Joel Embiid went out with a little bit of a tweak injury. James Harden is not looking good. Chris Paul knew exactly how to guard him. There was one play in the corner where Biombo was on him and Paul was kind of shading and it really shut down everything Harden was trying to do. The Sixers have some stuff to figure out, but Tyrese Maxey looks great. I'm hoping they can get a little momentum going a little run here. Uh, like I said, the refs were atrocious last night. I don't mean to complain, but they did cost the Sixers the game in the third quarter. Uh, illegal screens. There weren't illegal screens. DeAndre Jordan playing really bad. I saw a meme today that was the Will Smith slapping Chris Rock from the uh, from the Oscars last night, and it was DeAndre Jordan as Will Smith and the Sixers playoff chances as Chris Rock. That's pretty much all you need to show. DeAndre Jordan's been atrocious, and the Sixers have depth issues. The Warriors are in a lot, a lot of trouble right now without Steph Curry. They're sliding quickly down the rankings. I said right now they're 13 games back of the Suns for the one seed. They're only two games up on the Mavericks for the four seed. They're only three games up on the Jabs for the five seed. They're going to have a tough go of it. They've lost two in a row. They're five and five in their last 10, and they're not playing very well without Steph. And I don't know how many horses they have to get them to the finish line. And the last thing I want to touch on, the Lakers are only one game away from falling out of the play-in tournament. They're one game up on the Spurs right now for the 10 seed. It's looking really, really bad. Yes, they're only a half game behind the Pelicans for the nine, but they're, at this point, they can't catch the Clippers for the eight. So they're either going to be the nine, 10, or the 11. They're in a lot of trouble. If they're the 10 and they have to play the Timberwolves, they're going to lose. I already talked about the Timberwolves the last time we did this segment and how good they look right now. Lakers are 3-7 and seven in their last 10. They're not looking good. The Spurs are on their heels. And if the Spurs beat out the Lakers and get that playoff spot, don't be surprised if LeBron wants out. I don't know what they do with Russell Westbrook. I don't know what they do with some of their other players. Austin Reeves is playing 30 minutes a game. It's a mess. And if they miss the playoffs, unfortunately, the big story in the NBA is going to be LeBron's out of the playoffs, the Lakers are out of the playoffs, and not the Suns or the Grizzlies or the Celtics even, who have been on an insane run since the All-Star break. So it's a bummer. The Lakers look like they're going to fall out of play, but we still have a few games left, so we'll see what happens. 58 seconds. I think that was the exact amount of time as last week. Hell That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> I, I felt a little slow in the middle there, but uh, you know what? We got it done, man. We got it done. It was a big weekend in the NBA. That's all. I'm, I'm kind of worrying about my my Cavaliers future right now, if they're in a playing game and I have a massive to make the playoffs future on one game. I mean, I guess it makes sense to hedge it out, but. Ugh. Yeah. They're they a would... game back of Toronto right now, which is tough, but the Celtics are going to beat the Raptors tonight. I think they're playing right now. Celtics are up 25, 17. The Raptors have to play the Timberwolves. They have to play the heat, the Hawks, the Sixers. So, like, they got some tough games left. But, but look at the Cavs games, though, too. They have some tough games, too. I mean, yeah, they're barely beating the Magic tonight, which is a gimme. They're only up four close to half. But then Mavericks, Hawks, Sixers, Nets, Bucks. Yeah, it's going to be tough, man. I don't know if they're going to catch Toronto. Cavs have been sliding for sure. They're definitely going to stay ahead of Charlotte. So, like, 
odds are they'll have to play. I mean, they're definitely going to have to play the Hawks at this point. I don't think the Hawks are going to catch the Nets for the nine seed, but we'll see. I, I really like the East. I think there's going to be a lot of good playoff series. Like right now, a Sixers, I, I almost hope they stay in the four spot because they would play the Bulls in the first round. I know that's bad for their second round matchup, but it would help them avoid the Bucks and the second round. And they'd get to play the Bulls in the first round versus like, say, the Nets or the Hornets. Clearly the Nets. So I don't know. I don't, I don't hate where they're at right now. I mean, I'm looking at the rankings right now. Like, how many games are left? Like 10? Not even. Most teams have five to seven games. So it's like Celtics and Heat tied for first, Bucks and Sixers half game back. I mean, like really anything could happen. Literally any one of the top four teams in the East could be the one seed. And then what is the, the tiebreaker? Is it just, is it first like head to head matchups, then conference record or division record? Conference. I'm not really sure. I mean, the Sixers have a huge game tomorrow night. They're playing the Bucks at home. That'll be a playoff atmosphere. But then after that, Pistons, Hornets, Cavs, Pacers, Raptors, Pacers, Pistons. So they, they got a really easy schedule. Once they get past the Bucks, the only teams they play over 500 left on the schedule are the Hornets, Cavs, and Raptors. I mean, yeah, they, they could get there. They, they the could Sixers get to number one. Could be the one. I mean, the Bucs have to play at Sixers, at Nets, home Clippers, home Mavericks, at Bulls, home Celtics, at Pistons, at Cavs. That is a brutal end of their schedule. Yeah. <laughs> That's tough, man. But over in the West, too, I mean, the Suns are prolific. Man. Yeah. This is, a, this is a historic season for them. They are, and CP3's back. And they've won eight straight games and CP3 has only been back for two of those. So like, I, I don't think anyone in the West has beaten the Suns. I I'm nervous about the Grizzlies Timberwolves first round matchup. If that comes to be, be just because I, I think the Timberwolves are really frisky, but I think the Grizzlies are a good, that's a good matchup for them. I don't know. I, I think the only team in the West that can beat the Suns is if, Steph comes back and he's good for the Warriors. They could give him a run maybe, but I don't know. I, I don't want this to be boring, but like, what are the odds? It's, it's just a rematch of last year's NBA finals. Pretty good. Uh, pretty good. I, again, Ugh. I don't know how I feel. Like if the Bucks get the one seed and they have to play the Nets in the first round, like whoever has to play the Nets in the first round, I think they'll win, but you might have to go six or seven games to get that win. And that's big. If you're playing that many games in the first round. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. Like I, I can count the heat out. I don't think the heat have any chance. I think the leaders in the clubhouse in the East are the bucks and the Sixers, but the Celtics are not far behind. I think Robert Williams going out is really going to hurt Boston, mostly on the defensive end from versatility standpoint. But I don't know. Boston's been red hot since the All-Star break, and that's a, probably the toughest arena to play in in the NBA. Uh, so they have a huge home court advantage. And if they get to play the Sixers, they're our big daddy. They're our big brother. Like, we can't beat them, and that's a big psychological edge that they have. It's going to be tough. I, I really don't want to play them, man. And for the Nets, like, Kyrie can now play in New York, right? Yeah, but the Nets so. are bad. They, they have two really good players, but 
thing is, if they both score 40, that's only 80 points. And I don't know if they have another guy on their roster that can get double-digit points. Like, I like Seth Curry. I like Andre Drummond because they were on the Sixers, but they're not consistent. And outside of that, like, who's going to score for them? Yeah. True, true. But, I mean, if you think about it, like, he hasn't played in, like, all their home games this year. And they're – so, I mean, they, they could be – I mean, they have 39 wins already. I don't know if he's on if he's on the court in New York and they win five more games, they're right up in the four or five spot. No, I mean it is a good point. They're twenty three and sixteen on the road. They're only sixteen and twenty at home. But like you look at the top teams in the East: Celtics twenty one and sixteen on the road, Heat twenty one and sixteen on the road, Bucks twenty and sixteen on the road, Sixers twenty five and twelve on the road. It's not all that different. I yeah. I I don't know. I the Nets. I, I don't think they have much of a chance with their current roster, but if they draw Miami in the first round, I think they do actually have a chance. So we'll see. It's it. All I'm saying is it's so wide open. Oh yeah. Like it's like, so wide open. God. And like, if the oh. nets draw the Raptors in that play in game, which it looks like they, they really won't at this point, but they, they could, that's the only team in a play and they could lose to, I think. I think they'll beat Charlotte if they, I've seen Charlotte play. They'll beat Charlotte if they play Charlotte. I think they'll beat Cleveland if they play Cleveland. Unfortunately, I do really like Cleveland, but yeah. Um, right. I think they beat Atlanta if they played Atlanta, although that'd be a pretty frisky game, a team with experience, but I don't know. There's a lot to be decided and it's a very exciting seven games and the final four will end and we'll be in the last five games of the NBA season. It's going to be awesome just so much chaos across like all the basketball sports like i love it i love it man but uh let's transition from basketball to betting we got finney's betting corner recap from the weekend you want to go first you want me to go first yeah i'll go first i mean i'll be honest so i was in dc over the weekend and didn't really place any wagers on the elite eight games, but the sweet 16 games, the first day on Thursday ended up going three and one only loss was the Texas tech game. Um, what did I learn from that? I mean, uh, it's tough to count out those storyline games and teams that just feel like they have destiny behind them to get there. So, you know, Duke winning is the only, only thing that ruined a perfect, perfect day. But, um, you know, correctly had – I mean, I definitely – I said tease. Um, I said tease Arkansas versus Gonzaga. You didn't even need to do that. So, that, that definitely probably laid too much juice there. But um, hit on that game. Uh, Purdue losing on Friday, that, that hurt for multiple reasons. Um, had the Kansas win, had the Miami win. But what went two on two, two and two on Friday. So, for the Sweet 16 – what is that? Five and three. Not bad. No, it's not, not bad. bad at all. But seems like you, you might have had a different uh, a different storyline on your end. Yeah, let me ask you something. Have you ever seen the movie Troy? Troy. Brad Pitt as uh, Achilles. Uh, I mean, I, I, I've seen 300. Can you make an allusion to that? I can't, but I'll, I'll go with this for the people that have seen it. There's a scene where Achilles Brad Pitt defeats Hector and he ties him by his legs to the back of a chariot and drags him in circles through like the battlefield. That was me. That's been me all this tournament. I'm just getting dragged, dude. 
I went two and five this weekend. I lost my Miami Final Four future, which it was a small bet. It was just for fun to see if they could get there. I did not pick a single Final Four team right in our re-bracket. I might retire, like I said, from gambling after this, but I lost Gonzaga minus six, Texas Tech money line, Arizona minus 1.5, and UCLA money line. I did win Nova minus four and a half in the Sweet 16, and I did win Miami money line in the Sweet 16. All of these are Sweet 16 picks. Clearly, we couldn't pick the Elite Eight, but it's tough. Oh, also, I, I lost that Purdue minus eight teaser, but it countered out with the money line bet that I put down on St. Peter's because my dad's gut. It is what it is, man. I, I'm fighting for my life over here. Um, yeah, I don't yeah, know what I else will, to say. In addition to the other picks I made, I got to throw this in there. I did have, like, in the beginning of the tournament, I did take a – uh, Villanova to make the final four that so that that cashed out so that was that that was okay but um, I think in terms of making it to the final four in our re-bracket I did have I think Kansas and Nova were the only two that I got right I did not pick Duke or UNC so yeah but at least you got two it's better than fucking zero God, I'm sorry to laugh, man, but yeah, no, you're, like, you're right. Like, literally bury me in a grave of piss and shit, man. Um, it, it's, it's been a rough tournament. Bro, it's gambling. Like, what are you going to do? Like, I don't win. know. I ideally win. That's what no. I would like to do. You're right. But you're also betting on like 18 to 22 year olds. Though. No, I know. <laughs> and like, listen, I get it. I get it. It's tough. And I'm being hard on myself, but you know, it, when you did as much work as I did going into this and felt really good about it and then just get like absolutely shit on dragged by this tournament, like, you know, just spit roasted by the NCAA tournament in 2022, it feels bad, but you know what? That's life. As Frank Sinatra once said. So how how do you handicap a team that has 2000 kids at their school and they live in Jersey city? You can't, how do you handicap that? How do you You handicap? UNC that was subpar all fucking year. Now they're in the final four. I know. How do you handicap like, a Nova team that plays six guys and then it just works? Like, yeah, zero depth. I talk about that all year. Like, I don't like this team because they only use five players. They have no depth. Like, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> it, but. It's brutal, man. It's absolutely brutal. But you know what? NBA playoffs are going to be a different story. The good news is I can't get any colder. So eventually I'm going to have to get hot. Oh yeah. And that's the best part. You just, you miss all the shots you don't take. So just keep shooting, man. You got, you, you shoot to get hot and you shoot to stay hot. So yeah, I got to pick a baseball team to bet against this year too. So that'll be fun. Just a heads up to everyone and a, a great segue. We're going to have next Monday, a week from today, Zach Fisher, a really talented musician, really knowledgeable baseball analyst. He's going to come on and break down all the division winners, all the divisions in baseball, wild card, different stuff with the MLB season. So you'll get your full preview. It's going to be great. Doing a lot of research again, going to really dig into the numbers. If you want to follow along with some of the numbers, I'm going to be using a lot of fan graphs, a lot of uh, baseball reference, mostly fan graphs because they do more predictive stuff. And I trust F war better than B war sound off in the comments. If you disagree, 
But uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a really fun time. I'm really looking forward to it. Baseball's right around the corner. I'm getting myself some Phillies tickets. They're pretty dirt cheap in April, so gonna be hitting a lot of games over the summer. Really excited, dude. I am looking forward to the team that you choose to bet against winning like 111 games, like the best year they've ever had. <laughs> yeah, man. Wouldn't that be Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> Just love that. Um, I, I will say I'm eyeing. The Reds right now, I'm eyeing the Cubs right now. I'm eyeing the Royals. You know, there there's some teams on the burner that we could bet against. We could bet against the Pirates. You know, I don't like to do that because I like the Pirates. They got a, a nice logo, a nice mascot, some good colors. They're in Pittsburgh, great city, gritty city. But they're a pretty fucking bad team, so I don't know. We're, I'm going to do a deeper dive before I pick one, but we'll announce it on Monday. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love it. I mean, as long as my Orioles aren't la- aren't in last place, but it looks like they might be. Ugh. Yeah, they have some good young talent, though. They might be a little scrappier than people think. But we'll, like I said, we'll break it all down next Monday. Um, that brings us to our final segment. It's this day in sports history. So last week I messed up. I did Monday's date because we do record Monday night and not Tuesday's date when this podcast drops. So I amended that, everyone. March 29th, 1984. The Baltimore Colts pack up in the middle of the night and move to Indianapolis, leaving Baltimore fans in shambles. I know this one probably hit close to you, Finney. My mom and her family just despise the, the Indianapolis Colts. Oh, they can't stand them. Because, like, everyone on my mom's side of the family, like, loves Johnny Unitas. Yeah. And – like and like they all love the Ravens too. Like they're from Baltimore, but like when that when the Colts left, like when my mom still talks about it, like you can hear the heartbreak in her voice. Like, whew. yeah, she dude. was alive back then. So yeah, she was she was you know young adult. So she 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 remembers that. She was probably in Baltimore too. That's it's brutal. Crazy. It, it's brutal the way it happened too. I mean, they literally packed the trucks in the middle of the night and left. Like, there wasn't a lot of buzz heading into it that it was going to happen. I mean, there was speculation, but there was no confirmation. And this is pre-social media, pre-internet, pre-everything. It's really, like, beginning of ESPN, too. So it's not like you could follow the story. They just fucking left, and it was in the papers. And that's – it's one of the most cold, ruthless moves an owner has ever pulled off. It's up there with uh, the Chargers moving from San Diego to L.A., and the Browns moving from Cleveland to Baltimore and becoming the Ravens, which happened later. Shout out Art Modell. But, uh, yeah, you know, this day in sports history, a dark day for Baltimore. Stop, bro. Stop. Don't remind me. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Great episode today, man. Yeah, man. Well, that's a podcast. Uh, Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been the Victory Formation podcast presented by Good Soup. Don't forget, we'll be back at you on Friday with our Final Four and Championship game predictions, along with whatever other chaos happens during the week and some NBA stuff. And then our MLB preview coming a week from today, next Tuesday with Zach Fisher. Have a safe and fun week, guys. Get ready for some college basketball this weekend and some NBA standing shuffling the rest of the week.